All right, welcome into another episode of the greatest people you've never met podcast. Uh, joining me today, uh, a special guest, uh, another LinkedIn connection. The power of LinkedIn has brought me to Matt Fajoli. Uh, Matt. Thank you. It's. I think I already. I asked you how to pronounce it. And I think I already messed it up. But I appreciate you you jumping on with me and uh, taking the time out of your day to do an episode with me. Absolutely, man. And uh, you know, don't worry. You're not the first person who has mispronounced my name, and you only slightly mispronounce it. You know, it's Fagioli is the way we say it, but pe- lots of people say Fagioli and every other variable of yeah. that. So, no worries, man. Well, I appreciate you, Matt, for coming on. Uh, we were just kind of talking before we started the episode here uh, about the pod and why I found you and why I reached out to you. Um, but before we dive into all that, if you could give the listeners an intro of who is Matt. Sure. Um, well, I am uh, a little old and gray. I don't know if you published a video version of this, but uh, for all of you on audio, um, I got a very white whitening beard. I'm 55. Uh, I've been, I like to say that I've been an entrepreneur for 40 years. So I was one of those guys that, you know, started out cutting grass when I was 14 or 15 or something. And so been a self-employed entrepreneur for 40 years, run a bunch of successful businesses and a bunch of unsuccessful businesses. And um, uh, I'm a bit of a Jesus freak. And, um, and so in recent years, uh, I spend all my time trying to help entrepreneurs. Uh, and I particularly love helping entrepreneurs who are trying to find their way with the Lord. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, as we were speaking before we jumped on, um, I said, one of the things that led me to asking you to do the pod was, uh, your about section on LinkedIn and the first two lines, I'm an agent of change. Change leads to growth immediately caught my eye. Um, as a coach, I'm always preaching, you know, failure equals growth. We can't grow without failing, right? You have to go backwards to move forward, all those coach speak things. But it just, I just knew that we could have a great conversation on mindset. Um, what led you to find a growth mindset, I guess, or how did you get there? Cause that's one of my favorite things to learn about people. Cause it's not a natural, it's not a natural thing. You have to find something to lead you there. Where? How do you think you found yourself into the world of a change mindset? Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, for me, I, I kind of look at everything through the faith uh, filter. And so, that, you know, there's a big piece of the last 20 years of growth that came from that. Yeah. But I also think that I think that some people are just born that way. And um um, I don't know if you have heard of a personality profile called the Enneagram, um, but um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to the Enneagram. And so in the Enneagram, there's, there's, there are nine different personality styles in the Enneagram, and they're incredibly descriptive. Um, and uh, anyway, Enneagram sevens, which I am a seven, uh, Enneagram sevens are just addicted to change. And so while, while lots of people are just bent 
and and incredibly resistant to change. Um, people of my particular bent uh, are just addicted to it. Like I can't stand for things to say the same. Yeah. Which is uh, incredible to hear uh, from a 55 year old. Right. I think like I'm 32. You, uh, I think just most people, not just people your age, but a lot of people do fear change. Um, so what's it like being in that space, especially, I think, you know, like myself, uh, I like to say, like, we grew up with technology. I think technology brings the most change, right? And I've kind of been able to grow with the technology and new things coming. You were, you know, you've had to adapt constantly to to that. And what's that, do you think, um, what's that space been like for you? And how is that your mindset shown for you to be beneficial just around your peers? Well, sometimes it can get you in trouble um, because everybody else is sort of resisting the change. Um, you know, I think um, over all these decades now, um, I've come to really see the change on the horizon, the change that's needed. I see it on the horizon and I call it early. And um, and so what's been interesting is that I think that the journey for me has become about um, helping everybody else see it and taking everybody else getting everybody indoctrinated on board with the idea that that i see versus you know the younger me would just sort of jump off the cliff and be like okay guys see you later i'm jumping yeah. off this cliff and you know now really trying to build community and consensus around uh all of those decisions has been you know the recent journey um and i think that um even people I think that everybody should embrace change way more. And I think, I think everybody knows that, but that, you know, go like, Oh yeah, of course I know that Matt, but then, you know, you're the most people's natural bent is not to do that. Um, but I, I don't think it's clear to people exactly why. And the why the biggest why is that what I call formula or I've come to have been taught that it's, formulaic way of living so you we all sort of develop a routine we get up you know at this time we brush our teeth and we do this we drink this much coffee we drink our coffee that way we just we build a formula for our day and our life yeah and um and we all like that because it makes us feel comfortable um but what i've discovered is that the more that you do that um the uh the less effective the current moment of your life is, the less growth that's happening. And you can, of course, apply that to, you know, you, you said you're a football coach. You can apply that to to the weight room, right? If you do this, go and do the same workout every day. Like it's not going to work for after a while, right? Right. You know, you're going to adapt and that's going to, so it's like this constant need to change in the gym. It's the same thing with everything else. Absolutely. I, you brought up one thing where you said, you're like big on getting others to change right now. And I think as somebody who's all like, you know, works in sales, you obviously uh, myself, I work in sales, but how you're obviously good at handling objection. Um, If you, if you love to help or try to get people to change, right. Um, What is, I mean, what, I guess if somebody's listening to this and they're, they're facing some objection, whether they are a sales professional or whatever. I mean, everybody faces objection or rejection every day. What helped you get over that? I think a lot of people have a fear of it. So what helped you get over that fear? And now it seems like you just attack 
attack objection, which is is cool to hear. Well, I think first, I think you can, uh, and I've, I've done lots of sales and lots of sales coaching, but I think that um, you can uh, attack that sales persona from this the same vantage point of not allowing yourself to fall into a formula. So let's say that, uh, let's say you've been selling for a couple of years. Um, you're, you've been selling the same product. You've developed uh, some ability, uh, product knowledge and sales ability and understanding of the customer base. And now you've got all of these preconceived notions and things that you have decided are true. Like these customers are going to buy, these customers are not, these customers are willing to pay X, they're not willing to pay Y. And you, you've developed all of these things that you have learned um, over the couple of years that you've been selling. And what I find is that there's actually way more sales right in the current vein, right in the current lake of customers but your mindset is actually holding you back because you're now you're subconsciously not going to call that customer as much. If you're convinced that that's not going to happen, like all those things that are mindset. But I just don't think that we really walk around thinking that way for the most part, especially if you're a person that doesn't have that sort of growth mindset already. You're like, man, I'm just not going to call that customer. I'm going to try. I'm going to go try to find a new customer instead of digging in further um, with the current customer. But I also want to address what you said about uh, objection handling. And that also is mindset and expectation. So because objection handling always comes down to putting yourself in the in the buyer's chair and being completely as possible, completely concerned with what they need. Right. And not what you need, not the commission, whatever. And so if all you're doing is just asking question after question after question about them and their company and the product, but also their family and like a million other things, like the more you can focus on them, the less that the less the objection matters and the more it sort of the solution resolves itself way more than not. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, not only doing this podcast, um, but it's, it has been a huge help for me. Uh, obviously, I was in sales in a rural community, right? And then I moved down here to, to the Phoenix Metro. And there's just so many different personalities. But then doing this has really helped me open up. People love to talk about themselves, right? And you get those first couple meetings. Obviously, we all have well, – there's a reason there's a meeting. There We have a common goal. But I've had a lot of success when you're right, when you just – you're not asking the sales guy questions, right? You're not just dialed in on those. So I just, I just always think it's, it's interesting to see and in how in people's house on how they attack rejection and objection, because it's a natural everyday aspect of life. Um, and some people, I think you're hundred percent, right? Like I, not that I live for the objections, but I, I now live for the, you know, kind of like, you know, carrying the conversation, dictating the conversation around those objections. And it's made it a lot of fun and different, you know, sales training things. And like that has helped. Um, but aside from that, I want to get back more into you. Um, serial entrepreneur, I think would probably be a, a good way to describe yourself. Um, what is there anything specific 
a, a network or, or a marketplace space that you try to stay in when you're developing companies or are you going in and try to help companies? Where are you at and all that right now? Um, so I've done uh, three or four different things that um, that succeeded beyond seven figures um, and they were all they were all vastly different. Um, I've spent a lot of time in my career in and around the real estate space and in and around the tech space um, and 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 then the crossover of those two. So the, there's a bunch of tech in the real estate space. Sure. Um, and so so, you know, I've kind of bounced around in, in all of those different areas. You know, now um, as a coach and a consultant, um, I'm really interested in looking at anybody's business doing anything because what i found is that it, it doesn't matter what the product is you know people people don't change and the rules of the game don't change much um and uh and so it that's that's kind of the way i've built my my recent business is looking at any business and figuring out you know how are we going to get to the next place um i'll give you an example you know i've um uh, one of my clients right now um has been running the same business for 13 years. Uh, there's two partners and they have established a routine and a rut and a, you know, this is what we, how we do it. This is what we think is going to happen. These are the customers that are going to buy. This is what they're willing to buy, pay. All those things that we just talked about um, are applied to this business. And it doesn't matter what they sell. Right. Um, what matters is what's happening in the personal development of those two individuals that are partners. Um, where are they in their personal development and where are they in their life in terms of like, what do they want? Um, so you got to resolve all those things first and, and what founders don't do and partners don't do is really talk at a deep, deep level. It's just like a marriage about, you know, well, what, what actually do I want at this moment in my life? What's, what's the outcome I'm looking for at one year and three years and five years, where do I want this whole thing to go and establishing that first and then digging into, okay, well, how do we, how do we double sales and where's, where are the problems at in this business? And then what are we going to do to, to impact that outcome? Absolutely. So what goes into you? I mean, Let's be honest, a business is a two-way street, right? Um, you want to be able to work with your clients and your clients need to work with you. So when when people reach out to you, what makes you think, yes, this would be a good fit and I'd be able to help them accomplish some goals here? Or is it just, are you kind of at the point where you don't see a task too big and you know, you'll take on whatever? Oh, I think I think it's uh, it's about the people and uh, adaptability and willingness to change. And um, and I find it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of times it's where what moment in life people are in and th that can happen at 25 or 65. Um, and, and, it, and unfortunately, it happens probably every seven years, right. um, you know, which is a, a, a biblical number. Um, but, you know, there, you're always going through cycles There's cycles that are happening in your personal life or cycles that happen in the business or cycles happen in the macro economy um, that bring you to these moments, and these turning points. And so if you're at a, at a pivotal moment in your life or your business and you're leaning into change, you're leaning into coaching and, and I'm, I'm willing to to make the changes. Those are the people that that I love to work with. 
Absolutely. So how do you tell, how can you tell that somebody's like really into change? Cause I think that it's, it's easy for somebody to like, you know, maybe put up like a a face or a facade of like, yeah, I'm ready to change, you know, and that's why they're reaching out. But deep down you got to, I'm sure there's sometimes you got to pull that change out of people. So how, what are you, what are some indicators that you look for when you're like, yes, for sure, this person's ready for change and we can make a change and help them. Sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's a great question. And um, you know, it's certainly an art to try to figure that out. And, you know, I'm not always right, but it usually becomes pretty evident pretty quickly. Um, you know, in a month or two, um, you're going to find out pretty quickly whether, you know, somebody is talking a good game or not about, you know, their willingness to change. Because at the end of the day, if you have uh, a client, um, you know, it's it's funny, you know, the people always say, like, what's what's the difference between coaching and consulting? And, you know, coaching is I help you come to a conclusion about what you should do next. Consulting is I tell you what you should do next. Right. <laughs> and but in either case, you know, it becomes pretty evident pretty quickly, you know, whether the person on the, the other end of that engagement is interested in doing that or not. Absolutely. So how did you find yourself in that space? I've always found that interesting um, as a, you know, I coach athletics, which I feel like is a different thing. Um, but then to to want to join a space where you're helping coach and consult people, um, what, what led you there? I just, I, I'm always curious on how people find themselves in that, in that space in general. Uh, well, for, for me, it's sort of a season of life. I'm like, look, I've, you know, I've built a bunch of businesses. I've learned a bunch of things. I've stepped on every single landmine that you could possibly step on in my career. And so, you know, it's just an opportunity to, you know, share what, what I've already, you know, I've already learned much of it the hard way with other people. Um, and then, you know, from a faith standpoint, you know, I really want to help people, um, change their lives and become who God created them to make, to become. And, and so because I'm bent towards entrepreneurs, you know, that they're my target, I can help them the most. I can help them, you know, with their business, but I can also help them, you know, become who God created them to be. Um, you know, and, you know, lots of people that I work with are, you know, your age or, you know, uh, you know, thirties, forties, whatever they're, you know, they got kids and they're a different season of life and they got lots of stuff that you're trying to navigate. And, um, you know, uh, I love the opportunity to, to help them with that while I'm also helping them with their business. Absolutely. Is there something, is there, when people reach out, Hey Matt, well, you know, we're looking to change, we need help. Is there a common mistake or a common set of mistakes that you're seeing people make in multiple market spaces? Um, You mean that got them to where they currently are? You mean? Yeah. That like that led them to a spot where they like, they really realize, Hey, we, we need change. Sure. So, well, it's funny. So every single business in the whole world um, has uh, has the same problem. And that is that it's run by a human being. Right. Um, and the, or, or multiple human beings, but, um, we all have a natural ceiling of achievement. We all have, uh, a set of skills and talents and effort that we, uh, 
have learned in over the course of our life that we're willing to the effort we're willing to put in and the skill that we have and the money that we have and the the mindset that we have and like all that stuff um, we all have a natural bent and so what happens is most businesses grow to the natural ceiling achievement of the leader and the sad news is most of them never do anything past that um, and what happens is the reason that there's all these statistics about the number of businesses that fail and all that stuff is that it's almost always got to do with the natural ceiling of the leader and then the business stalls. So yeah. it, it hits a, a point where it's not going to grow anymore. And so if it was, if the leader was talented enough and it grew big enough that it supports the lifestyle of that leader, then it might go on for a long, 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 long time. But if, there's not enough revenue and enough success and enough joy in the business to sustain the life and the lifestyle of the leader, then that business is going to crash one way or the other. hundred percent. You said something right there that you joy. Uh, I think I like to tailor like this. So when I got to a point where I, Mentally, you know, I think I'd probably done a year's worth of episodes, 50 or 52, whatever, you know, right in that area. And my only goal was to make this podcast pop and make it profitable. And I was so consumed with the amount of listeners I had and how many people were engaging like daily. And it was just consuming my life, sucked every ounce of joy I had out of it. And I honestly didn't want to do it anymore. And then I just kind of was like, I figured out, hey, this is why, right? This is what's stealing my joy. And you take that away and boom. Now I just love whether this ever makes me a dollar or not. There's going to be an episode every week because I love to have conversations like this with people like yourself, right? So how many people, when you get into that space, how many people have lost that joy and found the reason why the joy has gone and do you help them bring back that joy or is it kind of like, okay, maybe you're past the point of you have you being able to be in this position. Maybe we find somebody else. Like what's your kind of task when you, when you find out that the, the theft of joy is the reason for failure. Well, <clears throat> man, your questions are really right on the money. Um, so that, that that's the first question is, do you want to continue to run this business? Can we, can we navigate back to a place where your life is full of joy? Because at the end of the day, that's what you built this business for. Mm -hmm. uh, you either built it to exit, which is going to bring you joy, or you built it to run it, which is, and it's bringing you joy. And if it's not, then you're not actually living your life anymore. So that's the first decision is, you know, do you want to run this business or are we looking for the exit or if there's no viable exit, are we just looking to shut it down and do something else? But at the end of the day, the first goal is get that entrepreneur back to joy. Because really, I mean, you could you could filter all of life down to that one question. Be like, what's my level of joy today? Mm -hmm. And if, if that repeatedly is not a 10, there's something wrong with your life that we need to diagnose. So the diagnosing the business is always second. And and measuring the level of joy in the, in the owner or the client um, should be the only question we're asking. Like there's no other question matters after that. Right. No, absolutely. So at the beginning, it might've been right before we hopped on too. 
you talk, you've had businesses that you've started or whatever that have done really, really well. And you've talked about some failures. Has there been, I mean, is it joy? Has it, has it been maybe going into an uncomfortable marketplace for you? What has been that, what has been the, it, maybe there's not a constant denominator of these are why these succeed and these are why these fail, but in your personal success and failure, uh, what have you seen in those businesses that set them apart? Sure. Cool. Well, um, so it's interesting. I mean, it always comes down to that natural ceiling of achievement and then the measure of joy and then this decision point, which usually happens just subconsciously. Um, but it's a decision point where you go, this isn't making me happy and or this isn't making me enough money. And OK, and I'm stuck and I don't know how to pivot. And so most people don't find their way to the right help. And so they mostly subconsciously just either blow the business up or quit or do something else or start a fight with their business partner or, you know, whatever the things are. But it, it probably doesn't just automatically rise to the next level. Um, and in my life, um, the, the, the three biggest successes that I had all ended differently. But you could you could describe that same scenario. So the first business. Um, I was in for close to 10 years um, and I was in business with my dad um, and we we started the business together, even though I was really young and it was a really neat opportunity because my dad basically taught me how to be an entrepreneur by starting a business at the right moment and inviting me into it and also giving me a lot of rope to hang myself with and a lot of authority and but through that business, um, we were uh, in a sales role selling a really sophisticated set of products to a really sophisticated set of customers. And in the process of doing that, I got to look inside hundreds of companies and see how they worked and see what the mistakes were. And I was like the, the beginning of my education of all that stuff. But that business came to uh, a, a stopping point that was driven by market factors that were way beyond our control. And that was the first time that I saw what I was describing to you at the beginning of our call, where I was like, I see the exit. Like that's, this is the moment, like it's time to jump. Right. So we either, we have to pivot the business or we have to exit the business. And I ended up exiting the business. My dad actually carried on for a little while, but we made the necessary change. Like, you know, it, it was able to sustain him longer. Um, I exited, moved in another direction. And then um, the next time, which was probably that. So that next business, which five years uh, later, um, uh, same similar situation in the sense that there were incredible market conditions. So that second business, I was in the real estate business um, when the market crashed in 2008. Okay. So um, interesting conversation there about how lots of people, stayed in but were incredibly unhappy while they were in they just didn't they they weren't willing to pivot right um i pivoted completely started a totally separate different business ran that other business for 10 years um and that business uh was shut down by covid but interestingly um I was at the point, I was already at the point of pivot. It was 10 years in down and I was already mentally like, I'm ready for a pivot. And when COVID happened, 
it was for me, it was oddly, this just like relief. I was like, oh, it's, you know, the pivots here. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't upset at all. I was like, it, I knew it like the pivots here. Um, so it's funny. They all have different situations, but yet they all have those same similar veins running through them. And so we all hit these moments, these walls, these, these pivot points, and you get to decide, um, am I brave enough to change? Um, uh, am I, am I going to get, you know, pissed and angry and frustrated and like try to get, you know, blood out of a stone of whatever this is? Um, or am I brave enough, strong enough to, to make a pivot and, and go in another direction, you know, or is there some other, there's some other possibility, but, um, but there's like two sets of people so resistant to change that I'm just going to stay stuck in this, in this business that's not bringing me joy for whatever the reasons are right. or an agent of change. I'm going to make the changes to either make that business thrive again, or I'm going to pivot. How did you come to learn what those pivot points were? Was it directly related? I mean, obviously you talked on the last one, like it was kind of your mindset where you were like, kind of whatever burnt out or whatever you may have felt emotion. It sounds like that one was emotional. Um, 2008, that was obviously market driven. Right. And then the first one with your dad, you talk like there, there probably was an exit for you, whatever that feeling was, but how do you, how do you gauge those? Okay. Financial pivot, emotional pivot, you know, maybe exhausted pivot, whatever that is. And how do you help find those in people? And I'm sure the answer is probably just going to be learning that person and figuring out where they're at. But how did you find, because it's just interesting for me to hear that each one of those businesses had a different, you know, financial, emotional, there was a different tag to that pivot. Um. Yes and no. I mean, it feels different and there are different factors, but they still, all those businesses still hit a plateau. And then you, when you get to a plateau, especially, you know, entrepreneurs, whatever, like we're all, we want to grow. We want to get bigger. We want to go to the next thing. We want right. to, we want income to go up and sales to go up. And when you hit that place where it's flat and you can't figure out how to grow, that's the, that's the common factor. That's like in every business, everybody hits this natural ceiling of achievement and you go, okay, well, is it big enough that I'm happy and it's, it's feeding my life and I'm, I'm actually in joy and I can run operate this business at this current level. That's the, that's the exception, but it certainly happens. Um, more likely it's like, I can't figure out how to grow this business to the next level. So I have to either bring in somebody who's going to help me do that, or I have to exit or, you know, or we have to just uh, in and of ourselves, we have to make changes to the way we're operating in order to get, to that next level of growth. And so, so it always has that, you know, that element, but then, you know, it, it takes different forms, you know, like that last business, you know, I was, you know, busy working on the exit when COVID hit. And then I was just like, Oh, this is what God has in mind. This is the way this is going to go. It felt like a, just a natural transition, you know, to the next thing. Absolutely. So um, when you start a business, uh, this is just Matt. Do you have a goal of where you want to take it? Or is it kind of just jump with both feet in and see, see where it goes and then find out maybe where my exit or pivots at? 
Yeah, well, that's another great question. Is you know one of the things that um, I've le- I've learned a lot of that the hard way. You know, um, because you you know when you're when you're young, you tend to just jump. Um, you know, after you've you know stepped on a bunch of landmines, you start you know planning a little bit more. Um, and I think it's uh, really important to look at uh, your motives and and your desires. And the more the more your motive is attached to money the worst the outcome is going to be hundred percent. That's also one of those things, right. That we all, you know, you hear that come out of my mouth and you go like, of course, like check that box. I know that. <clears throat> but when we're, if you take a real microscope to somebody's business, that's listening to this and go, okay, how much did you, when you started that business, how much was your motive money? And as you operate that business, one way to think about that is like, if you rewind, it's 2.30 or something when we're talking about this, 2.30 in the afternoon. And as you're listening to this, if you rewind your day, how much of your day were you thinking about money and outcomes? And how much of your day were you thinking about uh, your family and your faith and your kids and your you know, your life and where you want your life to go and everything else except for money and outcomes? Um, and if you could like actually calculate that in minutes, like, is it, well, 60 minutes was about my family and six hours was about money. Like, so that's a math equation that you can do in your head and that, uh, that, that lays a lot of it down. So it's obviously way more complicated that when you're planning a new business and like, well, you know, what are the market strategies and, you know, all that stuff, what's the competition, a million things. But at the end of the day, it, it should be about how many people are we serving. And and then once you're operating that business, that's another evidence of the joy factor is, you know, it, 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 you know, are, are, am I am I am I how close to Ebenezer Scrooge am I? And, yeah. you know, and how how close to the opposite of that? No, I love I love that. But I will I want to bring it back to a second because you said it's one thing where everybody's like, Oh, a hundred percent. But I think a lot of people do get into a lot of things just on the sole basis of money. Right. Like I think whatever it is, you start with that mindset. And I think they're like, I'm going to do this because it's going to make me money. And it does fail. And then it's funny to hear you talk about how much do I think about money? How much do I think about people that I love or relationships or my faith, whatever, because it is so true because I, it's kind of a classic mind line where like people were always like, oh, if I could just win that Powerball, right? Because money's like their only concern. And then you just dwell on that one thing and it's finances. And that's unfortunately most people all the time. But when you can just transition your mindset to think of the other things, the things I'm grateful for, I'm so wealthy and all these places, right? It, it's It's a it unlocks a new box for you. It really does. And I think the biggest thing since I've moved to this place, Scottsdale, Arizona, my biggest thing has just been time. I'm just finding out, I'm trying to find out how to give myself more time to do those relationships, people, right? Like being back in coaching, that's another thing that I want to give my time to do because it brings me joy. How, where do you prioritize that? with people because that is when I started, I mean, it's, it's such a simple concept because obviously we're all paid for our time working a job. 
But then it was like, well, I just, I could care less about the money. I just want more time and maybe I want more money so I can have more time where, how many people have figured that out that you're working with or you're helping or where are they at on that journey? Cause I truly think like, that's, that's the unlock of the box is like start chasing time, quit chasing money. I, and I'm just curious to see if, if you, if you experience that. Yeah. I mean, well, those are, you know, you, 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 you asked some big questions. there all in one, one big paragraph. Um, but you know, just like we were talking about how the, at the end of the day, you got a human being that's running a business who it, it, it's about who they're becoming, who, who they love, what level of joy is in their life. Otherwise, what was the point of all of this business stuff? Right. Right. And I think that most people uh, have lost sight of that at least to some degree. And, and so one of the things that happens with these transition points or these walls, um, these pivot points is every one of those is an opportunity to sort of reconsider what your focus is and, you know, people's willingness to change people's willingness to be open to the fact that, you know, Hey, I'm, I, I really am not in control and I'm, and at some point the clock's ticking, we're all going to die. Like w- what's the point of all of this stuff? And so to me, the conversation is much more interesting about what, do you, what do you want personally? What are you trying to make this business operate for, you know, what are the outcomes that we're trying to get for your life? And, and, you know, I think everybody quickly comes to the conclusion that, time is the most important thing right you know money at some you know at some point pretty quickly into your career you go like i can i can figure out how to make money you know i can i can flip burgers you know whatever you know you 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 can make enough money um but if you had all of your time man that's that's the goal 100 percent, yeah uh kind of live by the motto sometimes it's just money we'll make more right i i don't know it's uh it's just been another thing that I've heard and I've kind of just stuck to because it is, it is, it comes and goes and, and, and you're right. You will always find a way. I just had in and out burger the other day with some friends, 22 bucks an hour. That's a, it's a pretty decent life, you know? Um, so you, you will find that way. But um, as we get to winding down, cause I want to be conscious of the time you've given me, um, you talked about your faith and I know that's a big aspect of your life. And I think whether people have faith in religion, I think people all have faith in different things. So I think it's a very important piece to touch on because it's a very important piece of you. When and how um, did your faith become such a big part of what you're doing? And then how do you incorporate it into everyday business? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, to me, you know, now at this point in my life, I think it's just absolutely everything. I think that uh, and, it, and you know, 20 years ago uh, is when that that journey started. But uh, over those 20 years, you know, I've come to realize that uh, nothing's more important than, you know, why are you here? Who do you love? What's the level of joy that you're operating in on a daily basis? And, and where does this all go? What's the outcome? Um, and, 
you know, back to the, we were talking about like, Hey, there's always, there's always more money and there's always another, another thing. You know, that's a thing you learn after a bunch of cycles too. It's like, man, there, there's always another customer. There's always another business. There's always another, whatever. Uh, There's always another football game. There's always another, all that stuff. Um, But you only have one life. You only have, you know, uh, hopefully one, one marriage. You only have, you know, one set of kids, you know, you know, all that stuff. And, um, that all just matters way, way, way more. hundred percent. Um, the one thing I like to ask people, uh, because it kind of is the reason I started this podcast was to help somebody else out. I've always been good at conversating. Uh, it's just a natural skill I've been blessed to have. And I know that a lot of people listen to this because they don't have conversations of their own or they don't know who to reach out to, to talk to somebody or get some advice, whatever. So if there was, if you knew somebody was listening to this and they were struggling to take a leap, because that's the one thing that people reach out to me all the time that say that the podcast has helped them do, you know, go after a different job, whatever. Um, If somebody's listening to this and they're fearful of taking that leap, what is one piece of advice Matt would give them? Uh, Well, I guess the, you know, it's tough to sort of, package that down uh, my, my friend calls that shoe boxing like to put that in a tiny shoe box and, and be able to just hand it to somebody um <clears throat> I, I guess the biggest thing is that fear fear is everybody's problem um yet it actually is not real at all um 99.99 wow. percent of of fear is is just air it's just between your ears and so yeah, I mean, you, you know, you hear people say the cliche things like, you know, like the things you regret or the chances you didn't take and all like all that stuff is true. Like whatever it is, whatever risk you you think is in front of you and however big you think it is, it's actually super not. And so, you know, I always everybody always throws ideas and be like, do you think I should do this? I'm like, yes. Like you almost don't have to tell me what it is. Like if God's put it on your heart to do it, like just do it. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, well, I appreciate you, Matt. I appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. Um, this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that you said yes. And I I hope to stay connected and, and maybe down the line, we, we can connect and do one of these again, but thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, man. I really enjoyed it. You're a great host and, uh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. A little bit of a different ending today. Um, Just wanted to, we were having some audio issues on on my end, so I wanted to make sure that everything sounded good with the actual episode. Um, Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, another great connection through the power of LinkedIn. I appreciate you all so much. It means so much uh, to have you guys along on this journey with us. Um, so many good things. Uh, we keep kind of adding to our, our library here. Uh, be sure to check out Back to Even on Mondays. Obviously, this drops on Tuesdays, and then only the important stuff on Wednesdays. Um, excited for what's to come for the podcast group, the the umbrella that Jeff Ray and I have created, but uh, appreciate you all for being here every week. Uh, please like comment, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, rate five stars, all that fun stuff. Be good, everybody.
toast, man. Oh.